Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks, and welcome back to my favorite time of this month. And it's a special time to be with you. And we're going to talk about episodes 19 to 26 in month three, but also some of the learning that I've uh, received from various people I've been with this month. And it's been a fascinating month. So those of you who know the format for the podcast and the LinkedIn, I normally do about a 10-minute LinkedIn uh, episode for you and then add about 20 to 30 minutes with various leaders that I do. So the podcast itself has the audio from this LinkedIn, but also then a much more in-depth uh, extra part to the session. So it'll be the same for this one. I'll cover in more depth the different leaders who spoke. But who was uh, on this month? Um, Alison Hutchinson. Alison is the CEO of Pennies, the digital charity box. Fascinating background in the tech world as a successful woman and uh, also what she's done and the way she's changed the face of charity and digital giving. Then James Knight, uh, military cross, uh, a young Royal Marine officer, uh, winning that high gallantry award for him and his platoon in Iraq and some of the harrowing experiences he had in the Mediterranean as they recovered bodies from people who were trying to escape from North Africa for a better life in Europe and his time now in St. James's Place as a wealth advisor. Uh, Fiona Lambert, uh, a wealth of experience in um, various different businesses um, where she's been a, a fashion expert. And finally now she's managing director of Harpen, having been in Georgia Asda and various other places. Colonel Gary Hearn began life, uh, episode 22, began life as a, a private soldier in the Royal Signals uh, in the Falklands War, and then has gone on to learn a lot about leadership and academics, and is now a colonel at the Defence Academy, the Military Defence Academy. Episode 23, David Heron began his life public school, and then a fascinating time with Leicester Tigers, and now he is the group CEO of Wilton & Bain, a very successful talent management and executive search business in the UK and abroad in places like America. Episode 24 with Colonel Tim Wilson. Tim, um, a very successful career, uh, military advisor to various generals and also the CEO of the Queen's Dragoon Guards. And he's now gone on uh, to a successful career in business where he's the CEO of MSI Global, which is a network for lawyers and accountants around the world. Episode 25 with Professor Roger Steer. And Roger is the corporate philosopher to various different organizations, really challenges people's thinking about doing the right thing and certainly around ethics. And finally, with Lieutenant General Tim Evans, um, and he had a very prestigious career um, in the Special Forces, in the Light Infantry, and as Commandant of Sandhurst, and then uh, is doing some fascinating work in the Middle East at the moment. So those are the people that I had the honor to interview and really enjoyed conversations with them. Let's talk a bit about um, what's, uh, what, I've, what I've sort of learned this month and the things that have gone on. 
Uh, the last couple of days, we had the launch of the Inspiring Leadership Academy that I spoke to some of you about. And that was really inspiring and uplifting. We had a full house, 125 people. We had to turn people away um, who came to this uh, launch of the event, which is linked to the charity, the Inspiring Leadership Trust. And it's, it's a free uh, leadership development for volunteers who give their mentoring and coaching skills or donate to the Inspiring Leadership Trust. And they get world-class speakers to come and talk to them. And we were very lucky that we had um, Sarah Winkless, MBE, the Olympian, and uh, famous for medals that she won in rowing at various Olympics. Um, some dodgy individual called Jonathan uh, <laughs> spoke as well. And then we had a panel with Colonel Chris Wakeley, uh, who's now uh, set of his own, uh, another entrepreneurial business, having been in KPMG and uh, Boxwood, his own business, and um, former Colonel George Mendonca, who now is an executive member of um, the Grosvenor Estate. So fascinating discussion. We also had the Serious Organised Crime Office with um, Sean was speaking to us about just some of the bad stuff that is done by Serious Organised Crime and we're very lucky to be at the charity supporting the Home Office in the work that we're doing around the country as well as abroad. So that I found very inspiring this month. I've also, um, I went to the reunion of all the instructors at the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst and uh, from 1990 to about 1992, that was a group of us who were there. A great privilege to get chosen to go to Sandhurst to be an instructor. Um, and um, it was we had a, a group called the Louts, which got banned for bad behaviour. Um, but luckily, we reformed 30 years on. And it was fascinating seeing these different people. And the common thread was that they really were interested in the development of the cadets they had and the people that they worked with. And they've gone on to a whole range of different jobs uh, in business. But they've always been interested in the development of other people. Um, and one of the things that um, Giles Neville and Simon Treadgold, who organized the reunion at Sandhurst. Uh, one of the comments they said, the difference between our time in the military and our time in business is that in the military, we worked with our friends. In business, you work with colleagues. And there is a real depth of friendship, which you just picked up 30 years later. It was really very easy and very enjoyable to see the men and the women that we had served alongside. And I suppose that was a trigger for me at the time that I found that there were people who were far better than me as leaders, and I was learning a lot from them. And in some ways could feel a bit inadequate if you were suffering from relative deprivation, as I think I was at the time, which was what got me on this journey of wanting to be a better leader and learn about leaders, and to also find out about the man I never knew, that my father who was uh, killed when I was just three, um, saving the lives of two other naval officers who encouraged me to go on and learn about what makes inspiring leadership find men and women who are inspiring, learn from them and pass that knowledge on to others, which is why I'm doing this Inspiring Leadership series both on LinkedIn and also on 10 different podcast series such as Apple and Spotify and most of the major ones. So that was the, the first one. I've also been working with some uh, or meeting some very bright leaders, particularly in the tech space, uh, incredibly bright individuals. Um, and actually, the bit of advice that I was given is you need to put your CEO on the risk register because they're an asset to you, but they're also a liability. And sometimes the CEO's influence on a culture can be so impactful that if it goes toxic, it can bring the business down, as you saw with Dick Fould and Lehman Brothers. 
So just CEOs, wherever you are out there, think carefully about the impact that you're making. And also, if you're working with a CEO, don't have any um, lack of challenging and making sure that their behavior is healthy, because if it goes toxic, it can bring the business down. I love the comment by Viktor Frankl, man is pushed by drives, but he's pulled or he or she is pulled by values. So we're pushed by drives, but we're pulled by values. So what are your values and what is driving you? What is pushing you? Have a think about that. Um, a lovely quote from Jack Welsh, which I think is very relevant from some of the businesses that I've been working with. If the rate of change on the outside exceeds the rate of change on the inside, then the end of the business is near. If the rate of change on the outside exceeds the rate of change on the inside, then the end of the business is near. So have you got enough change going on in your organization? Is your culture catching up, keeping up with the change that's going on? Then I might have mentioned before, but I find it particularly powerful, Marcus Aurelius, this thing from um, uh, the Daily Stoic, blame yourself or blame no one. The only place to look for approval is within yourself. The same goes for approval and fault finding. As soon as you try and get it from other people, you've compromised your integrity. You've handed over your power. So either don't blame anyone or blame yourself. For whatever happens, for everything happens. Those are the options. And I like that from Ryan Holiday. Uh, another thought, can't versus won't. Sometimes people say they can't do something, but actually what they mean is they won't do it. They don't want to. So think about that when you use the word can't, is won't the right word? And then Stoic philosophy, my favorite thing from 2000 years ago, you don't control what happens in your life, but you do control how you respond to what happens in your life. And then the other favorite, let it go. Control is the master addiction. Don't be so attached to so much. And then the final thought, my father was killed age 35, as I mentioned, uh, saving the lives of others. And my motto is alive, alive and thrive beyond 35. Every day is a bonus. Thanks, guys. It's good talking to you and keep listening to the podcast. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman Perks and welcome back to Inspiring Leadership Extra with the month three review of episodes 19 to 26. And I just thought I'd go into a bit more extra detail about the very impressive eight people that I've been fortunate enough to interview uh, in this third month. Uh, let's begin with Alison Hutchinson. So we had Alison Hutchinson, then we had James Knight, MC, Fiona Lambert, the MD of Harpen, Colonel Gary Hearn at the Defence Academy, David Heron, the CEO of Wilton & Bain, uh, Tim Wilson, the CEO of MSI Global, Roger Steer, the Corporate Philosopher, and Lieutenant General Tim Evans. So, uh, Alison, um, You've really got to listen to her podcast, both in her upbringing that she had with parents with very strong work ethics and also the things that she learned in uh, some of the tech companies that she worked in and financial services where she worked, particularly IBM. Um, getting the sort of best people around you, um, recognizing your own skills. I suppose it's linked to a, a later podcast I did with... Um, Colonel Nick Borwell, who um, is now the principal of the Civil Service Leadership Academy. And th this thing about incomplete leader, complete team, getting the best people around you, because no leader is, is perfect in their own way. So recognize your own skills, know those, know yourself and, and know your enemy and you'll win a thousand battles, said Sun Tzu. And he certainly was right in that. Um, and I think 
um, her experience of coaching. She she was a big fan of coaching, and her experience of coaching was very interesting. She recognised Alison recognised three hundred and sixty feedback. And how other people perceive you is really crucial. We often delude ourselves how wonderful we think we are. Um, we had a laugh, a good laugh about workaholics. Both she and I are recovering workaholics. I suppose I'm even recovering. We just, the hours we work are quite crazy. Um, but of course, when you're doing uh, a job that you're passionate about and it's a calling, it never feels like you work a day in your life. But I probably work easily a 70-hour week. And then on top of that, do some stuff for Lee's charity, the Inspiring Leadership Trust, which is it's a lot of time, um, but I feel very passionate about it. So sort of your, your life becomes your work and your work becomes your life. But you do need downtime. Very conscious about that. We, we laughed about that. Um, sometimes uh, we had, Alice and I talked about that sometimes you can be in a toxic team and the culture can drive people away and you need to call that out and make sure that you're not staying somewhere which is unhealthy. Um, some tough times um, talked about it, and, and I think it's really important we talk about our dark times as well as our successful times to think, how, what do we learn from that? And often it's a fear of failure. She admitted that we are often driven by our fear of failure and uh, in those tough times. So uh, it's just to be aware of when we are in the dark times and get back out into the light. And I just, I just really want to recognise Alison. Uh, not only did she get the CBE, but, but she's made a huge impact on the variety of charities that her digital charity box, Pennies, um, has done. So congratulations, Alison, and your team, because you're very clear that you can't, as an incomplete leader, succeed unless you've got a complete team. Next episode 20, we had James Knight, Miltry Cross, who now works as a wealth manager at St. James's Place, which I have a lot of respect for, SJP. They, have, they do make a point of looking for really good leaders and advisors that can be trusted. And trust is a really important part when you're an advisor to anybody. Clearly, it's something I've got to do as a CEO's advisor and an advisor to teams and boards is be trusted. And James is someone who I trust. And clearly his soldiers trusted him and they would, if necessary, die for him because they knew he would die for them. Um, that's dramatic. Most people in their jobs don't have to die for their job, but they certainly do need to, people need to know they're committed and they need to know that you are consistent and reliable and trustworthy. It's a very important part. When we had the uh, launch of the Inspiring Leadership Academy in the Goldsmiths Hall the other day, Sarah Winkless was wonderful, very inspiring. Um, and Sarah did talk about this this trustworthiness and how you work together as a team. It was it was a really good talk that she gave. Also very inspired by um, one of our girls who's who's come up, Georgia, and also um, just some of the talks about the work they do, the Serious Organised Crime Team in the Home Office. And... Um, just a really great collection of speakers. James talked about operations in Iraq. He was attached to the Prince of Wales's Royal Regiment, um, a platoon commander, and one of their vehicles, one of their warrior armoured vehicles, got stuck in uh, a drainage ditch. It was a, a major problem, and they couldn't extract it. It was damaged. It had to they had to get a uh, one of the brave Remy wrecker crews to come in and save them. But that was a few hours before they could get to them. And in the meantime, they had to provide a cordon around their position and take incoming fire from machine guns and 
rocket launchers and all sorts. Um, but luckily, nobody in, in their team, I don't know, uh, in the enemy who were attacking them, the, uh, the local guys who just wanted to cause mayhem and bring them down, um, I expect they took a, uh, a lot of casualties, but well done to James and his team. And he got the MC, which he acknowledges really was a shared one with his team. But as leader, you take the blame and you take the credit. What is it saying? That um, success has many parents. Failure is an orphan. Um, he also talked about someone who inspired him, one of his corporals in the Royal Marines, who when they were out in the Mediterranean um, on that operation to help rescue many of the fleeing refugees from the Middle East and North Africa, who were trying to make that lethal journey across from anywhere from Syria, um, Turkey and the like, through to Greece and stuff. They were having to rescue some of these wrecked ships and people were going in all sorts of vessels. And also the tragic and the grim job of dragging dead bodies, uh, people who drowned and small children, out of the water and giving them a proper burial. Awful work and huge impact on uh, the people who did that. I'm sure a number are suffering from PTSD, he said afterwards. But one particular corporal who was just so courageous and no, no job was too bad for him. He just mucked in. And others who saw that this wasn't their job and this wasn't why they'd been sent to the region because it was a short notice adaption they did, didn't want to get stuck in, but they were embarrassed by the fact that he did and they helped a bit, but he just was always someone who rolled up his sleeves, got stuck in and helped out. And that is inspiring. So inspiring leaders come at all levels and in all positions. It's not a rank or a job. Episode 21 next was Fiona Lambert. Um, Fiona, a very dynamic leader in the, the fashion industry. I, um, you know, she's worked in some of the really top brands and, and then also um, she's now the MD of Harpen, um, which is backed by River Island. But uh, she's been in New Look and various other different organizations, particularly Georgia Asda. And she loves seeing people develop. She's really takes a a passion for that. She's also been very supportive of the vulnerable girls in the Inspiring Leadership Trust and the work that uh, Lee does there. Um, and she found that looking back some years ago, when a long time ago, when we worked together and I was a coach, that she was very relieved to find that it was okay to be different. She was trying to fight. She was trying to copy everybody else um, and think that she had to be like them, which wasn't really natural. You know, be yourself. Everybody else is taken, I think was Oscar Wilde's quote. And um, Isadora Duncan, you know, better to be a first-class version of yourself than a second-class version of somebody else. And she was really happy to be different. And when she recognized that that was okay, not only was it okay, but it was brilliant, um, then that made a huge difference. And she started to win a number of awards as a leader and for the design work that she did, recognized very widely and very supportive of of, of women's groups to, to get more women leaders into business. Um, and also learning about what not to do as well as what to do as a leader. I think that's very important. Um, we talked also, Fiona Lambert and I, about taking risks. And in fashion, you have to be very bold, the most successful ones, and take a, a whole risk on a fashion line. Would anybody like it? And, and how quickly do you realize it's not working and then change? And that some leaders hate 
to be wrong. They have to be right. They want utter certainty. And as a result, they can avoid decisions or pass the blame onto other people. And creativity comes when there is this willingness to be wrong and to learn from, um, learn from mistakes and have a go. Um, I think it was uh, Norman Schwarzkopf said in the Gulf, training for the Gulf War, have a go. You know, it's, it's train hard, fight easy, that, that uh, it's better to fall on your backside in peace than in war. You know, have a go, learn from it and make sure that you're ready for the big day. So learning from that and being more creative. That was Fiona Lambert. Episode 22, Colonel Gary Hearn, um, who is working at the um, Defense Academy. This is Army, Navy, and Air Force. And um, really enjoying training the mid-level majors in the Army um, about all the different uh, ways of viewing leadership, and strategic insight, decision-making, thinking. I mean, the military is great in what it does from cradle to grave. This idea from start to end of your career, there's stages of developing you as a leader, and they invest so much money in it because you're only one bullet away from commanders. Um, Nick Borwell said to me recently, and, and that's why it's important you're trained for the next level up. Um, but I think in business too, that uh, suddenly at short notice, and a number of cases recently where CEOs who thought they were well ensconced, suddenly they're out on their ear, almost marched off the property when things change or they do something wrong and they have to fall on their sword. Well, they don't personally fall on their sword. Someone else makes them fall on their sword. But um, Gary, I've got a great deal of admiration for him as well because began life, uh, he, he described himself as a scallywag in Liverpool and a scally, and um, didn't didn't have qualifications age 16, didn't make the most of his life. But he went into the army as a Royal Signals signaller, um, bright lad then, um, incredibly bright now. But he went all the way up, um, having been to the Falcons War with the Welsh Guards, their rear link detachment, um, getting communications back to uh, the ships and things. He learned a lot from that, those tough times, because it was good leadership and there was some bad leadership. And of course, the Welsh Guards had some terrible casualties. I think it was on the Sir Galahad, but when the Exocet missile killed so many of them and all the burn injuries that they had. But Gary learned a lot during his time with the Rilling Detachments. And he had a commanding officer who believed in him, gave him some incredible experiences at a young age which in very little else apart from the armed forces can you get so much experience at such a young age. And then on to Santos, where he met uh, Johnny Gray, who I also interviewed, um, who ended up being the CEO of the Argyll and Sutherland Highlanders. And they made a great team. But um, he's always, you know, Gary Hearn's been always developing himself, maybe a bit like himself. Uh, I was told when I was younger I was thick and I was going to be a dustman. And I been trying to prove to people that I'm not thick. I probably still am thick, but I, I think it's the sort of drive for me to to listen to so many 80 audio books a year and read a lot and learn from leaders is, is this thirst for learning. And I think Gary's got three degrees, um, uh, which is, you know, one's good enough, but he's gone for three, says the man with two. Um, not that I'm comparing. Um, enough of that. 
On to episode 23, David Heron, the CEO of Wilton and Bain. David's uh, a great um, a great friend, and he's also hugely supportive of the Inspiring Leadership Trust, he and his organization, Wilton and Bain, where he's become the group CEO. And, and talking about a whole range of things from working with sort of private equity and um, setting up a business um, and bringing people on board. He's grown the business massively, both in the UK and in America. And his uh, his life was quite shaped early on. Um, public school, I think he was at Uppingham. And then he got into rugby. He was a big rugby player. And at the time, he sort of was a, a, a bit brutish and threw himself around a bit. And Leicester Tigers shook him up where he met people like Martin Johnson and some of the stars of the successful um, world champion uh, English rugby team um, <laughs> described how he'd uh, charged at one guy to do a tackle and was always convinced that he was powerful and would bring them down. And it was a shield that you sort of drive into and he rushed it and drove into the shield. The guy lifted up the shield, kneed him in the head, grim. Um, got a bit of a shake up of that. But um, he really gets teams, he really gets growing people and individuals, and he's growing a very successful business. So really enjoyable conversation with David Heron, episode 23. I recommend you listen to that. Episode 24, Colonel Tim uh, Wilson, OBE. Tim is now the CEO of MSI Global Alliance. Um, was the CEO of the Queen's Dragoon Guards cover regiment in the Gulf, learned a lot from that, and was uh, humble enough because I do think humility and humanity are crucial qualities of a leader. But he was humble enough to admit that perhaps looking back, he should have done more empowering of people. But in his drive to get things right and make sure there were no casualties um, and that they did things right, he perhaps over-controlled. And of course, that disempowers people. So they don't step up and take their full responsibility. And you just don't know what their potential is. Um, but um, learnt a lot from people like uh, being a military assistant. That's sort of right-hand man to some senior generals. Very influential and very impressive individuals, particularly General Sam Cowan, I always had huge respect for. And he, developing emotional and social intelligence, influence and persuasion, particularly when you're in an organization like MSI Global Alliance, where it's a collection around the world of uh, small to medium size accounting and law firms who want to have that global reach with a network where they can tap into different people in different countries if they don't have a presence there themselves. And, you know, he doesn't have direct command over them like in the army. He has to influence and persuade. And many of us do. That's the next level after follow me and just do as I say to influencing and persuading people without direct um, control over them. Episode 25, Professor Roger Steer, the corporate philosopher. Roger, I've known for some years and really enjoyed um, reading his materials. He's quite challenging. He's um, comes from a different angle. He wrote a great book, Ethicability, and then also Thinking Outside the Inbox. And I really enjoy the way that Roger challenges paradigms and gets people to think about the whole issue about being human, about love, about integrity uh, and about doing the right things. And that you know, more regulation isn't the answer. It's about the humanity and the humility we bring to work and that doing work that we love and 
and also calling out when people are doing the wrong thing rather than being just a bystander uh, to, to toxic bad behaviour. Uh, lots of interest in, in Roger's uh, episode 25. And then finally, this, uh, this month's review, episodes 19 to 26. Episode 26 was Lieutenant General Tim Evans. Um, and Tim, a uh, huge collection of medals across his chest, rightly earned as uh, an SAS officer and also unusually uh, commanded the, the Marines Special Boat Squadron. Uh, both of whom do amazing work around the world. Uh, light infantry uh, was his background and um, served not only a battalion, brigade, corps, uh, division before that. So the Allied Rapid Reaction Corps, a very uh, unusual multinational organization which actually went on operations. Not only that, but he was the commandant of the Royal Military Academy Sandhurst and personally led by example. You'd see him out on runs with the cadets and inspiring them, chatting to them, interesting them. Again, Tim uh, really is the soldier's soldier. And it, it goes back to uh, his day on what was called an O-type engagement, where he um, was in a barrack room for some people with very different backgrounds to him. And there he was as a potential officer learning from soldiers of very early age and respect that he gained for soldiers, corporals, sergeants. And uh, many organizations, it was interesting talking to someone about the Pakistani army uh, and the fact that they have a very good officer corps, but they really don't have the strength of sergeant's mess and corporal's mess. And the officers try and work directly with the soldiers. And it's a piece that's missing. And you do need um, people at, at all levels of leadership developing and taking on roles, whether it be the more basic level tactically, the middle levels operationally, or at the more senior level strategically. And some people can't make that move from tactical to operational and up to strategic, particularly when they're at the managing director, partner, CEO level. They're still down in the weeds trying to do things tactically. And um, Tim's three mantras that he lives by, mission, be clear on what you're about, team, it's always about the team, the complete team, the incomplete leader, and self, looking after yourself, not in a selfish way, but just making sure you've got your stuff sorted out so that you're not a liability and you're healthy, well-fed, and uh, officers always eat last. It was the, it was the old motto, make sure your, your team is looked after first, but that you've got your act together. Tim, probably the highest hit rate of any of the um, LinkedIn videos I've done, some in the region of 24,000 people have watched it with some 500 to 600 likes and, and comments. Uh, a remarkable, uh, modest, but inspiring leader. So that is um, my review of the eight different leaders, episodes 19 to 26. I hope you're enjoying it. Please um, do listen, um, give reviews on the podcast on Apple, um, add, add comments, uh, give it likes and give it stars if you like it. And, and also on LinkedIn, write me some comments of, you know, things you'd uh, perhaps like, questions you'd like to be asked, or if you know of really inspiring leaders in business, uh, there's no shortage of them in the military, but if you know of really inspiring leaders in business, particularly female inspiring leaders, I'm very keen to hear from you and be connected with them and to interview them. So great having uh, you on board, guys. I hope you enjoy it and uh, I hope you have a good week. Bye for now.
So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.